Is anybody out there? <laughs> What's up, everybody? How you doing? You good? Like, I don't know, like really good? Like maybe you just, you know, took two about 45 minutes ago and now every touch is like a velvety strike of lightning through your body kind of good? <laughs> All right. So maybe not that good. Um, today's episode is about the gift that keeps on giving, giving us life, giving us joy, giving us tears and orgasms, sometimes simultaneously. Arguments, headaches, insecurities, fights, babies, STDs, love, deception, disappointment, epiphanies, prison sentences, war, checks. <laughs> I could go on and on about this week's very special guest. And I actually plan to. But let's just dig in. But first, I'm going to need everyone to strap in, or strap on, <laughs> or whatever helps you sleep at night, and give a warm round of applause to everyone's always weird and necessary friend, sex. And by the way, my name is Porter Laurie, and this is Life Math. Honestly, what can I say about sex that hasn't already been said, or screamed, or whispered? <laughs> I don't know. But my experiences have been fairly unique, I guess. And if you listen to part one of this two-part dating series, then you already know my approach. But for those who may only catch this episode, let me tell you that my stories, first and foremost, come from a cis-heterosexual POV. So if you hear some things that don't add up, or contradict your personal beliefs or situation. I don't know what to tell you. Just imagine what you would do if you accidentally showed up at an orgy with a birthday cake. Don't trip. Take a deep breath. Just relax. Maybe you'll get tapped in. Maybe you won't. <laughs> oh, man. So many sex references. So little time. But because there's two episodes that are dating specific, I'm going to narrow it down to that. And hopefully that should make things a little easier to swallow. I'm not going to go back into my own history because I let y'all in on the things on those things in the last episode. But I will begin when I started dating at 30 years old in L.A. If uh, you've never lived there then I'll tell you, sex and sexuality in L.A. is powerful and omnipresent in daily life. It's absolutely inescapable. It's like a uh, it's like a force fed multivitamin you take every day. The moment you step out your front door, 
I would say Los Angeles has the largest population of the most physically attractive people of anywhere else in America. And it consists of all cultures. There's more beautiful women sitting at bus stops on any given day than most states see in a 10-year period. And when it comes to the men, all you got to do is go to Venice Beach on any given day and there will be so many men with six packs, not just walking around, but swinging shirtless from jungle gym rings all oiled up and crushing push-ups while doing handstands. And none of them will have a problem showing your girlfriend exactly how it's done in intimate detail while you stand there holding her sandals and a Gatorade. It's overwhelming, relentless, and it ain't going anywhere. It was there long before you and I, and it'll be there long after we're gone. And so for me at 30, being on the market for the first time as an adult, there was a lot to learn about women and myself. And there's really no way of doing it but to do it. So I was working in television and my schedule was all over the place. Sometimes I was in town, sometimes I was on the road and explaining my professional conditions was probably the first hurdle I'd noticed. Now, it wasn't as bad as if I were living in Indiana and had to explain this schedule to a woman who had only ever dated like Costco store managers or drill bit salesmen. And it's nothing against those guys, but I assume that their day to day schedules are fairly consistent year round. Whereas, you know, my job can call the night before and have me on a flight to anywhere in the world or in the most extreme situation. Uh, you know, one time I got a call on a Wednesday to leave in a week for the Philippines for two months. You know, with that, any plan I had for two months went out the window. Some women understood that and others didn't. The ones that didn't, they were a funny bunch. <laughs> I was, um, you know, I was really open about what I did and my schedule, what I was available for and what I wasn't. And then they would express themselves and tell me how much that sucked. Then we would have sex. Then weeks later, when I was wherever I was in the world working, I would get some angry voicemail or text talking about how our moment must have just been some hit it or quit it situation for me. And then weeks after that, I would get another message asking if I was back in town. So this was one of my first lessons in regards to sex and dating as an adult. If they're into you, women will have sex with you against their better judgment. Get angry at you later because they're actually angry at themselves. But if the sex was good enough, they'll do it all over again. And because this was a new realization for me, I took them up on it a few times not realizing I was just setting myself up for all the smoke that I never wanted. But I learned at 30 years old that, wait for it, women can hear what you say and say they understand and agree. 
But sex, or good sex, resets that clock. And every expectation you told her not to have, she has again. But with even more emotion now, because you've had sex multiple times and she's becoming invested whether she likes it or not. It took a lot of confusion, text fights, and fuck yous before I realized this lesson. You see, a lot of times I had to pull the plug on casual sex because no matter how many times you tell a woman it's just a casual thing, if a woman feels a physical or emotional connection, she'll lie to you and herself to keep it going. And what I can't handle but dealt with as a result of me not taking control of my own actions is a woman crying about how you used her for sex even though you kept it 100 from the jump as to what it was. Now, looking, you know, looking a little deeper, I think that because I'm an only child to a single mother, I, there's something about that I couldn't really handle women crying. And especially if they were blaming me. Now, at first, I took it personally. But after a few times, eh, I brushed it off. No problem. <laughs> Facts. Uh, you know, as long as I was straightforward from the start, then whatever tears she shed later, because I wasn't available to her, really had nothing to do with me. So here's something I alluded to in the last episode, but it also corresponds to this one. Don't sell women a dream. If it's just sex and good times, tell them that's what it is. That's what you're here for. There's nothing wrong with that. I never understood why men feel the need to put up such a crazy front. What don't come out in the wash is going to come out in the rinse. And you might not be, you know, Mercedes Benz living. But once you lie about it and get caught, whatever your life is, it looks like a lemon. <laughs> so anyways... To wrap up this little part, do you and be honest, women will make their choices after that and you can sleep good at night. And I can already hear it now. Not all women X, Y, Z. I already understand this. I get it. And it wasn't all women for me either, but the women who knew my reality and yet still pursued an intimate relationship with me were absolutely like this. It didn't matter what I said. What they acted on was what they wanted to hear. Now let's get into the nitty gritty. The part that might have my wife looking at me kind of sideways. <laughs> nah, just joking. She knows the man she married and uh, she's heard all this before in one way or another. Let's get to it. Uh, you know, because I started so late, I never really went through a hoe phase. And I don't care if you like the word hoe or not. Um, that's what I call it. Um, and I can say that because once I got out into the world of single life in L.A., I came across real male hoes. 
like men who were clearly trying to fill some empty space in their lives with as many bodies as they could possibly bag up. And the thing about LA in regards to both men and women is that it's such a large area that the person you meet one night may live over an hour away in a completely different part of the city that you never even go to. They might have an entire family in Burbank, but if you met in downtown LA and you live in Santa Monica, chances are y'all aren't gonna cross paths again, unless it's on purpose. So married women having a night out with the girls or just having a drink somewhere by themselves can say pretty much whatever they want. And unless you care enough to be extra nosy, then you're gonna go with whatever they say. Same goes for men, especially men. So being a hoe in LA can be really easy if you have the time and the energy and the money. I personally have never really felt like I had any of that to really waste. And also, as my friend Q has often said about me, I'm the kind of man who doesn't chase attention as much as I attract it. <laughs> yep, I said that. He said that first, but now I'm saying it because it's kind of true. Uh, you gotta love me or leave me alone. It is what it is. So I wasn't out there hoeing, but because I was in and out of town, there were times when I would have a few women in rotation but they rarely overlapped because another thing I learned quickly about myself was that unless it revolves around making money or uh, creating something artistically or it's an actual emergency, I require an extremely low drama lifestyle. So when I met up with someone who knew who I was, agreed with the parameters we had set up and didn't bring drama into my life, they had my full attention. But this is something my wife said to me a long time ago that I did and didn't realize. She said, when you have sex with a woman, you have this ability to make them think they're the only woman in your life, even if they know they're not. Whoa. I mean, before my wife was my wife, sex with her was something very different than other experiences I had had. So in a way, what she was feeling was something deeper because it actually was. But what she's also speaking to is what I mentioned before. If we were good on all fronts, I had no problem giving you all my attention, my energy and my effort, at least for whatever amount of time we had planned on hanging out. And for the record, I was never faking interest or intimacy. You know, I think that because I wasn't spreading myself all over the city and because I was, you know, often on the road, living out of hotel rooms, you know, when I came home and had the opportunity to hang out, I was ready to actually connect, even if it wasn't a forever connection. So during these moments, I would be brutally honest with women, sometimes awkwardly honest. And there's three moments that come to mind right off the bat. Uh, one time I had been traveling and set up a time to meet this particular woman at the standard rooftop bar. 
a few days after I got back. We had actually only hung out a couple of times, but she was cool and had kept in touch, so we agreed to meet up. And it was, in, it was definitely implied by us both that the night would end at my place. So I met up with her, and the night was pretty good, but I don't know, something was off. And to this day, I don't know what it was, but just off. Well, we had our drinks and went back to my place. But when it was time for action, uh, he just wasn't working, no matter what. And, you know, I, I, I hadn't had enough drinks for any of that to really kick in. So I, it was just me trying to figure out what this something was that was off. I just could not put my finger on it. I was trying everything. My mind was scrambling like a Pornhub convention with free Adderall. But something inside me just told me not to do it. So I leaned back and said, you know, this ain't going to happen. Sorry. You hungry? <laughs> uh, she literally looked at me like I was a giraffe. And I looked at her like I had just accidentally stepped on her toe. Like, my bad. Turns out she wasn't hungry for anything I could actually provide at the time. And she went home. But instead of faking my way through the situation because I didn't want to look, you know, whack or embarrassed by me not being able to really have sex, I just let her know and I put the ball in her court. And she took that ball and dribbled off into the night. <laughs> Another moment uh, came the first and only time I went on a blind date. It was set up by a friend of mine. And um, this one has less to do with sex, but everything to do with staying true to myself. So my friend told me he knew this beautiful actress that I was going to fall in love with. He connected us and we set up a date somewhere, some restaurant on La Brea. We both arrived at the same time. So our timing was in sync. Great. And she was definitely drop dead gorgeous. So that was good. We sat down, ordered some drinks, and she immediately started in on her career and training as an actress. And I mean, she was spraying me down with stories so fast you would have thought she was trying to bring a dead plant back to life. And at first I chalked it up to nerves. So I waited and then tried to interject my own stories so she would know who she was actually talking to, but she wasn't really interested. And then it hit me. Oh, she didn't come for a date. She came for attention. And because she's an actress and she's beautiful, most men would sit there staring till she stopped. After about 20 minutes, I politely paused her and expressed that I really appreciated uh, meeting up with her, but that this wasn't going to work. And I was ready to leave. Again, I got the giraffe look. I told her I would pay for the drinks and walk her to her car 
or I would leave some money. And if she had a friend that lived close, you know, to take my place, the next round would be on me. She chose to stay. I left some cash, gave her a hug and left. I just couldn't find a moment where this moment made sense to stay in. So why waste our time? Now, the last example is a very short story and probably one of the most extreme examples of my entire point, which is to represent your authentic self to the best of your abilities at all times, regardless of how awkward it may feel in the moment and let the rest fly. It's extremely liberating because once you get used to it, there's nothing you ever have to feel guilty about unless you've actually done something wrong. Now, I don't even know if my wife has heard this story, honestly, because it literally just came to my mind for the first time since it happened, which was long before we ever met. But I don't know. I doubt she'll be surprised. Um, in the middle of having sex, this woman said, tell me you love me. I stopped, thought for a minute, which felt like a year and a half and said, I will, but I don't mean it. She said, say it anyways. So I said it and never heard from her again. <laughs> I mean, for me to say I love you has to carry some kind of weight. It has to feel like we're both leprechauns and I love you is the pot of gold at the end of a well-traveled rainbow. So I gave her the gold-plated version in the moment. And I guess, you know, it did the trick in the moment, but I think she was hoping to catch me in a vulnerable moment and then expand on that afterwards. But I was just too aware. And at that time in my life, you know, the walls around my heart were patrolled like a supermax prison. There was only one entrance uh, and you had to take off your shoes, empty your pockets and tell me your mama's social security number. and you probably still ain't going to get in. So catching me saying something like this, you know, without meaning it just wasn't going to happen. Here's where things get juicy. Men and women alike need to establish what sex is and isn't for them at whatever stage of life they're in. My belief based on my experience is that men can easily have emotionless, meaningless sex from the time our balls drop to the day we die. And that's not a superpower to be proud of. It just comes from the fact that we don't incubate life. There's different levels to this shit and we're not on it. Love is not required and it's often a hindrance. Love is a completely separate zip code for us. It's a whole other town with its own little mayor and a little library and cute little grocery store. And once we find somebody to share it with, there's a beautiful life created and we're dedicated to expanding it. Sex, on the other hand, is like the tourist with a 24 hour layover on the outskirts of Love Town. I've always detached love from sex unless I'm in love. It doesn't mean there's no emotion or intimacy. It just means that you're getting a specific version. If you're a Jay-Z fan, it's the difference between a 4.0 and a 4.6. Sex can be used for 
whatever you want it to be. And in my opinion, as long as it's between two consenting adults, then anything goes. People's sexual kinks are incredibly entertaining to me. Years ago, I was working on set and was doing some slight ear hustling and heard something about dragons with penises having sex with other dragons. <laughs> That's literally all I heard. And that was enough. When I got back to my hotel room after work, I remembered hearing that earlier conversation and Googled dragon sex and a whole subculture of people who enjoy dragon cartoons having sex was revealed to me. Now, <laughs> um, some people would hear this and immediately go into the typical, ooh, that's nasty, they must be crazy, pervs, or whatever. Me, I checked it out and thought, damn, humans are wild. Charged it to the game, went to sleep with a fun little story to tell at some point among very trusted friends. Or you guys. <laughs> who may or may not be one and the same. But for real, as a single person, what role does sex play in your life? Do you even think about that? It can serve as a source of intimacy, of power, attention, entertainment. I would say in LA, there's more opportunities for it to serve all kinds of purposes. And what you get out of it just depends on how conscious or unconscious you are. For me, I was never trying to use it to find love, ever. It wasn't the thing that was ever going to seal the deal for me, but it was the best conduit for understanding some basic things about women and myself. Sex for women can bring up a lot, and a lot that may or may not have anything to do with you. There are things that can happen in sexual settings that in the moment seem like a natural progression or a mutual understanding, but it can get very tricky. And as a man, you have to be in full control of yourself, which can be hard after a night of indulging in your vice of choice. I'll start with a short story. I knew a woman who would cry every time she would orgasm. The first time it happened, we were both extremely intoxicated and I noticed it, but didn't notice it. And when the morning came around, I wasn't going to ask her about it as she was walking out the door. She didn't mention anything and seemed fine. So I didn't think twice about it. The next time it happened, it was clear and I stopped immediately and asked if she was okay. She said, you just bring up a lot of things for me. And she wouldn't go further than that, even when I asked. So I got up and it was over. I never spoke to her again. She would leave me messages wanting to do it all over again, but would always say no when I asked about the crying. So I just couldn't do it. And it wasn't because of the crying. It was because in a vulnerable moment for us both, she had an uncommon reaction to our intimacy. 
and she had no interest in explaining it to me. So her intimacy felt selfish and I felt awkward. So something had to give. There's nothing wrong with her not wanting to explain, but she would have to find another man with less interest in understanding what was actually happening, which I'm sure wasn't an issue. Another story. This one is about a friend of mine. And when I say friend, I actually do mean friend. It's not me. Although this could happen to a lot of men, myself included. One morning, I woke up and got a call from this friend of mine. I'd known him for a while. and He's a really good dude. Uh, he's one of the few male friends of mine who's willing to open up like I do and really show who he is to people he considers friends. Um, so I answered the phone and he was crying. I asked him what was up and he went on to tell me that he had been with a woman the night before and they were having rough sex and they started choking one another. He said it went on for most of the night off and on uh, until they finally crashed. But when he woke up in the morning, she was crying and was insistent that he had raped her and left without any resolution whatsoever. Needless to say, he was in shambles. Uh, he quite literally had no idea what had occurred between them falling asleep and the accusations the next morning. He had remembered the night before in regards to what they did, but when he crashed, she crashed. So what happened in between them was a complete mystery to him. Now, here's the thing, and this can get tricky for everybody involved, but I'm going to keep it 100. I'll just say it. 99% of the women I've ever had sex with enjoyed being choked to one degree or another. And there was never some big discussion about it prior. There was a look, uh, there was a guided hand, uh, her head tilted back while she was pushing her neck closer to me. There's all sorts of unspoken signals women use to express that this is what they want. And once it happens, you start giving each other cues as to how tight and everything else that goes along with the act and the trust builds from there. So what my friend experienced and what he explained to me wasn't so far fetched. And because I had known him for so long, I personally, I just didn't see it happening the way she said it did. But he was a wreck without any way of defending himself. And when he tried to contact her moving forward, he got no response. So what's the point of this story? I really don't know, but to say that sex can be the most amazing experience or the most horrific. And if you don't know why you're having it or who you are beforehand, then chances are you haven't attempted to find out those same things in regards to the person you're about to enter into a very touchy situation with. I guess I would just stress this. The more honest you are with yourself about sex, the better chances are that you'll come across the same honesty in someone else. And even if no long-term relationship is created, a healthy sexual relationship can be. The energy you put out there 
when you're comfortable with your sexuality is something that's hard to explain. And it wasn't really until around 40 that I started getting remarks that I had a kind of confident sexual energy about me from both men and women. And it was a complete surprise, but they were absolutely right. I just wasn't there yet. And my vibe reflected a truth that I didn't quite understand. And at first, you know, it felt kind of nasty. Like I was disconnected from myself somehow, putting off some weird basement porn addict energy that I couldn't see in myself. But the more it happened, the more I started to notice just myself and how I moved. I became self-aware, not self-conscious, but self-aware. And once I did that, I totally understood what people were saying, what they were talking about. And I just embraced it because it was and is just a natural state of being for me. I'm not trying to be uh, sexual or anything more or less than who I am. It's just that my natural state reflects something to, uh, to, to other people. Well, and also I stopped watching porn in empty basements, which I'm sure totally enhanced uh, the approachability factor for me. <laughs> But, um, you know, quick, quick story. I'll never forget the day these two young women in their 20s walked past me a few times in Trader Joe's, giving me a much different look than I had usually experienced when I was just in there getting my almond milk and trail mix. Um, but on their last pass, I heard one of them say, he got that BDE or something along those lines. But I heard he got the and BDE. <laughs> so... I waited in line, running through every version of what BDE could possibly mean, but nothing was making sense. So like any confused 40-something-year-old man, you know, I Googled it. And the Google told me these young women had noticed I had big dick energy. <laughs> oh, shit. For the record, that little moment made my entire week and the world couldn't tell me shit. Um, but for real, you know, because so many people have so many sexual hangups for so many different reasons, when someone comes along who really doesn't and they embrace the little things like an extra shirt button undone or tight jeans or uh, cleavage showing or tight skirts or however folks choose to feel sexy in a moment. When you come across those people and you're one of them too, it just feels liberating because it feels good to recognize those little unspoken natural attractions that make life more fun. It's supposed to be fun. It can be fun. We just have to respect everybody's ability to do it safely. So what has this episode been about and where do we go from here? Hopefully, by me opening up a little bit about my own experiences, it helps somebody feel like they can too, should the right moment come along. Sex is how we procreate, how we bond, how we work out our kinks mentally and physically. And I don't need anyone else to express the same way that I do to know that they play a part in this discussion. 
everybody has their thing sexually. And really, it's just about accepting it in yourself so you don't judge others. For men who tapped into this episode, hopefully you have some new questions to ask yourself about why you want what you want and why it's important to be honest about it to yourself and whomever you're intimate with. Most of us aren't raised with the proper tools to express our sexuality beyond just the different ways of getting it. And I hope that changes. For women who tapped into this episode, I hope this was an opportunity to hear an honest male perspective. I know they don't happen often, and ironically, talking about sex like this doesn't feel sexy at all. But it feels necessary, because even with all the different ways to communicate, we still have a connection issue. And by we, I mostly mean men. It's only been in my lifetime that sexuality has been publicized and politicized at the level it has been. And from the beginning till now, men haven't had to face our history directly. But now we can see clearly the effects of our distortions. We have entire libraries of history available on our phones that clearly show that we need to change our views. I think it needs to start within ourselves and our fears, and then it'll move outward from there. It's just us, y'all, regardless of how you identify. It's still just us. And sex isn't going anywhere. Besides love, it's the most powerful expression we have. And it doesn't come prepackaged to be experienced in only one way. So take the time to acknowledge it in yourself. Know what it is, know what it isn't, and respect that others are doing the same, but probably different. Acceptance doesn't have to be difficult, and we all don't have to be so distant. Whatever you feel is just fine because what everyone else feels is too. So that's it. That's all she wrote, folks. Thank you again for tuning in, tapping in to Life Math. If you like what I'm doing uh, and you're picking up what I'm putting down, please follow me on Instagram at Life Math Podcast. Repost my links, my videos, leave comments. Tell a friend, tell your uncle, tell your auntie, tell everybody. Word of mouth matters. Till next time, be good to everybody, yourself included. I'm out.